me to reintroduce myself. Now tuned into the greatest. What's up, people? And it's your boy, Supreme Decisions. And today I'm coming to you with another episode of the Legal Minute Podcast. Well, today I want to just talk about something because it, I find it amazing, For first of all, that people have no idea that a police officer's first duty is for preservation of life. Why do more people not know that? How is it such a difficult thing? And lately on my videos, I've actually been using movie clips because a lot of times we're being told that. But the programming is done thus far to let them let you believe that police officers have this unbelievable authority and they can do whatever it is with impunity and no consequences. And it is the exact opposite of what their duty is because they take an oath to be the first line of defense for the public. They're supposed to be the defenders of the public, the protectors of the public. And their first line is the preservation of life for the public, not themselves. And it just amazes me at some of the actions that go on and the excuses that are made for grown people that make conscious decisions to put on a uniform and not perform the duty the correct way. Now, a lot of people get upset with me when I compare it to a $5 an hour or a minimum wage worker where I go out to eat and get a little fast food and they don't prepare my order right. I'm probably going to get upset that they didn't do you know, the simple things right. I get just as upset about somebody that's making $100,000 to do a job and they are not proficient at it. I'm going to say that one more time. These people are getting paid 60, 70, 80, 100 plus thousand dollars a year to put their lives on the line. Yes, I understand that. But it doesn't change their job. It doesn't change their duty. However, it should change their performance because when you're making six figures, there's an expectation that comes with that. There's also a duty that comes with that. There's a line of integrity that comes with that. And most people are not following that line of integrity. And what I mean by that is you have a lot of people that detest the blue wall. They walk around, they talk about gangs, but then them themselves are gangs because they wear a blue black and white flag on their arms just like the gang members do they walk around with the code of silence and no snitching just like the gang members do and then they also go out and don't hold one another accountable now the sad thing about that is most gangs will address ill behavior most police officers won't and that's crazy to me that a gang has more integrity than a police officer. But then again, the police officers are kind of picking up from the gangs, or are the gangs picking up from the police officers? The only difference is they're doing a little better. But today I want to talk about a police officer drawing their pistol on first sight, no matter what it is, knowing that their first line is preservation of life and they have six to seven alternatives on them at all times to do just that 
and that is to preserve life. You know, pepper spray, which they use in crowds. Mace, they have their nightstick or batons. They have a taser. And you know the amazing thing about that, I actually love the fact that they have to be tased before they can actually get a taser to use on someone else. Because one of the things that's done in psychology is the understanding of how the brain works. It is difficult for them to discharge that taser. Why? Because the brain remembers two things. One is pain, one is pleasure. And they understand the pain that they have to go through to be registered to carry that taser. They don't want to issue that pain out to anyone. That is, and it's crazy because they will not deploy a taser, but they'll deploy a lethal weapon versus one of six to seven non-lethal weapons when their line of duty is first preservation of life for the public. Now, I'm actually going to go into a couple of things. I'm going to give you a couple of stories because that's what I do. And today, I'm probably not going to reach an hour, and I'm going to apologize to you guys for that because I'm working on getting better at that. I'm working on doing things that allow me to be on here for an hour. I'm working on doing the thing that I'm being asked to do because you guys are phenomenal. You're downloading the, the podcast. You're watching my videos. You're responding on my community. You're sending me emails. So I'm, you're donating. I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, you're doing something and you're asking something. Why? Because... I'm not one of these people that's so out of touch that, you know, it's just a guy that's on YouTube or just a guy that you're listening to on a podcast. You're able to actually connect with me. So I want to make sure I give you guys that, something that you're looking for at least. And today I'm going to go into, like I said, a couple of stories. And the first one is going to be a story about uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico police officer. And the reason why I'm starting with him is because his story, in a nutshell, or as a whole for, for that fact, is astounding to me. Because he has one of the most amazing stories. Now, when I give it to you, you're going to be like, okay, what the hell is amazing about it? Because when I first read it, it wasn't amazing until I understood what was being said. And then I actually looked at some other instances. And then I also looked at Albuquerque Police Department. And then it became astonishing. Because to me, the audacity and the verbiage used. Because you know I always talk about words have meaning. And the way he described this incident. And the way they depict other incidents that he was involved in and his fellow officers were involved in were so vastly different. And it was just amazing to me. The officer I'm going to talk about is Officer Luke Olson. Christopher Cook allegedly shot Luke Olson. I'm using allegedly because I didn't read the case. I didn't bother to go through it. I don't have any facts on it. All I have is what I read from Officer Luke Olson. So before you start typing in, oh well, this the guy is that I don't care nothing about that. All I'm talking about is a story that I heard or read with Luke Olson. That's it. 
it doesn't go any deeper than that and then the other aspects i'm going to give you that has substance behind it this is just an overview of something that I, this is pretty much third hand information i'm giving to you because this is actually somebody's writing down what luke said and his feelings on the incident and me regurgitating what i interpreted that incident to mean after i had read over it so with that being said christopher cook shot luke allegedly shot luke olson albuquerque new mexico you know what damn it he, he shot it christopher cook shot luke olson we're gonna leave it at that because for the most part Luke Olsen was shot. Christopher Cook was there at the time that Olsen was shot. So, yeah, okay. I guess you can give me a couple of those. Now, the amazing part about this conversation that Officer Olsen had was Officer Olsen spoke about having the feeling of being ambushed because Cook had a gun in his hand when Officer Olsen was approaching him. Now, I'm, I'm, I want you to... Want, want you to picture that a police officer is approaching someone that he sees a gun in his hand he's walking towards him he's walking the police officer is walking towards a person with a gun in their hand and the police officer has the feeling of being ambushed I'm going to say that one more time because I know it's not going to register with a lot of my viewers and a lot of my listeners. Officer Olsen walked towards Christopher Cook. Christopher Cook had a gun in his hand. Officer Olsen said he felt ambushed by Christopher Cook, although Christopher Cook was not approaching him. Officer Olsen knew that Christopher Cook had a firearm on him, but he had the feeling of being ambushed. Now, I'm going I'm to I'm finish the story, but I'm going to stop right there because the amazing part to me, because, yes, that's amazing that a trained professional. Say it one more time. Yes, that's amazing to me because a trained professional. And I hope you guys don't hear that dang it because I'm not sure how I'm going to take that out because that's me getting messages while I'm doing my show. Thank you, guys. I appreciate all the messages. But the trained police officer has someone that he sees with a weapon on, has the feeling of being ambushed. Yet, I often had police officers in Fulton County, damn near every police officer in DeKalb County, Georgia, had police officers in Snellville. I had maybe one or two in Gwinnett County, because that surprisingly or not, Gwinnett County treated me right and I didn't have to go through a whole lot of trash with them. And most of the time when I got stopped by somebody in Gwinnett County, they, you know, it was no ticket in me going to the house, no no qualms or anything, and they didn't have their hands on the gun. And, but, in a lot of cases, I'll say, let's say out of 100 times I've been stopped or approached by a police officer, 90 times a police officer walked up on me with either his gun drawn or his hand on his gun and I'll say of that 90 out of those 100 times 80 of them were traffic incidents the crazy part about that is 
if a trained professional feels ambushed when someone is walk he's walking up on someone with a gun the trained professional feels ambushed how's the common man that he's supposed to be protecting supposed to feel when he's walking up on him with his gun out with his hand on his gun talking to him aggressively how are they supposed to feel because if a trained professional feels ambushed by someone just having a gun how is someone that is not trained supposed to feel when they don't have a gun but the professional is walking up on them with their gun out and being aggressive those are the things that that kind of kind of shock my mind because I can't fathom that because I can't fathom someone saying I'm in fear for my life then why are you putting on a uniform because you wasn't scared just then you were scared prior to putting that uniform on and that uniforms for brave men and women and if you're not one of them don't don't act like you are because before you applied to be a police officer the job was dangerous and it was scary but you still smiled and had your teeth showing you still went and applied you still went and got in shape you still went and did the things necessary to be one but now that you are one and you raised your hand to God that I'm going to do my best to make sure your children do not have harm come to them you become the harmer you become the one that's striking the fear in them. You're the one that's going out and dictating to them. But when one of them fights back, you're scared. Now, I often tell police officers a lot of times if they're scared of doing their job, it's because they're not scared of the people. They're scared of karma. I'm going to say that one more time because I think I think repetition on that might be the thing that gives them. If you're scared to do your job, it's not your job that scares you. It's karma. It's because you made a conscious choice to not do it the right way. You made a conscious choice to look the other way when you see somebody else doing the wrong thing. You made a conscious choice not to do what's necessary to be right. Which is why two out of every three decisions police officers make, they're wrong. I'm going to say that one more time because I don't think everybody caught, caught that. Every three times a police officer makes a decision, Two of those three times, he's wrong. Now, I get it. If you're a baseball fan, I get it. If I go up the bat three times and I hit once, I am a superstar. However, when you're dealing with someone's life and liberty, and you're dealing with it and you're wrong 67 or more percent of the time, there's an issue. It's either there's an issue with you, there's an issue with the system, there's an issue somewhere. And you are pretty much okay with it. You're saying, you know what? Don't worry about it. I can keep being wrong. I can keep being aggressive. I don't have to do what I told God I was going to do. It's okay. But then you wonder why people don't trust you. You wonder why people don't talk to you. You wonder why you're looked at as the bad guy. And then when people are out filming. Now, I'm going to say this also. I don't, I don't condone or even recommend going out and being antagonistic. You know, give them a few minutes, they'll come and mess with you because that's what they do. 
But that also doesn't change their right to do it. Because if there's not a crime, there's no need to approach. If there's not a crime, there's no need for a name. Why? Because engaging with someone, you're opening yourself, talking about the police officer, you're opening yourself up to liability. Because if you give somebody instructions without probable cause, that's a Fourth Amendment violation. I think I've shown that. Because if you approach somebody, they don't have to talk to you. I think I've shown you that one. And if you stop somebody's locomotion without probable cause of a crime, you can be sued because it becomes an illegal stop. And if you arrest them from that stop, it becomes an illegal arrest. So encountering citizens leaves you open to liability. So why be upset when they fight back because you haven't done your job the right way? And then, again, the fact that Luke Olson felt ambushed. I, I, I still can't fathom that. Because he's a trained professional. He's trained to approach people at the worst possible moment. Because I don't think of any time that I actually seen a police officer and it was just like a happy time. Like, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. At no time have I ever said that about a police officer. And I got a brother and a couple uncles that I am never happy to see any of them bastards. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I want all of them to come home. I've got friends that are police officers. I want them safe. But I'll say I've got at least 30, 35 people that are friends or family that are in law enforcement. And between those people, they have one citizen complaint. I met one guy. He actually was sued. Not because he was a bad cop. Not because he did the wrong thing. Because actually when he arrested me, he did it the right way. And I commend him for it. I even wrote to the mayor about his actions. I even wrote to Sonny Perdue about his actions because if I'm going to condemn them, I am also going to praise them when they do their job the right way. And this young man, he was sued for doing a job where he was actually in the right. I'm going to say that one more time. He got sued for doing his job and he was actually in the right because he actually executed a warrant. The problem is, he wasn't the first one through the door, and he was with other guys that did not do the job properly. So, again, because he was with them, he got caught up in it. But he continued to do his job with a smile. He continued to do his job with respect. Again, when he arrested me, it was completely textbook. Great guy. You know what? If he needed another job, I'd recommend it. Because here's the funny part. Even at the time of the arrest, he never grabbed his gun. I'm going to say that one more time. At no time did he touch his gun when he was arresting me. And I I was a wanted man at that time. He didn't talk to me aggressively. He spoke to me with respect. Even whenever he took me into jail. He treated me like a human being because you don't have to do the extra to be a human being. You don't have to be aggressive and authoritative to do your job the right way. And this guy has been doing his job for, I believe, now right around 11, 12 years. No citizen's complaint beyond the lawsuit, which he was not the instigator or the initiator of. But I'm going to finish on with Luke a little bit. Because 
like I said, again, we have a trained professional that feels ambushed because someone had a gun other than him. But how are we supposed to feel when we're approached by these professionals with these guns? And again, I hope you guys don't hear these dings because everybody's contacting me right now. But anyway. Officer Olson, who in the past had dealt with many people in bad situations because again, like I said, how often do you see a police officer and it's a great thing. Because when we look at other officers in similar situations, you look at I'm going to say his name wrong, but you're going to know who I'm talking about once I say that um, incident. Geromino Yanez. Uh, Yeah, I I, I probably screwed that name up. But he is the trained officer that was having a conversation with Philando Castillo, with Philando's wife and child in the backseat, directly behind Philando. Where Philando, who was a licensed firearm carrying member of society, a productive member of society, he asked, were there any firearms in the car? Philando repeated, uh, signal, yes. He said, yes. Yes, I have a firearm. I have a license for it. Philando had his hands up. I know this because I watched the police officers because there was two police officers on the scene. A lot of times people don't know that, but there were two police officers on the scene. I was able to see the um, body camera from one of them. Philando had his hands up when he was telling the officer, yes, yes, I have a firearm. The officers immediately began to step back, telling Philando not to reach, don't reach, don't reach, don't move your hands. Philando was not moving his hands. Philando was shot multiple times with his child directly behind him by officer Geronimo Yanez and in the whole instance of the situation Geronimo Yanez the trained professional yelled out I had no choice Yet, Philando wasn't a threat. He didn't bother to get a taser. He didn't bother to do anything that could incapacitate him. His conversation in court was regarding he was thinking about the child that was sitting directly behind him that he shot multiple bullets into. He was thinking about the child. That's why he didn't use any of that other stuff. You know, hand-to-hand combat pepper spray, mace, baton, taser. He didn't use any of that stuff because he was thinking about the child. But he used bullets that could have struck the child multiple times. But he was thinking about the child. And he had no choice but to murder a man that was not reaching, that was no threat, and was only trying to get to the house or even getting a ticket written that he probably was going to pay. But he had no choice against him. 
I want you to think about that. This trained professional had no choice for a man who said he had a firearm. The officer that watched a suspect have a firearm said he felt ambushed. But the guys with the guns that are trained with the guns, we're supposed to be the calm ones. Because yeah, I did I forgot to mention that the Now the funny part about this entire incident, if you can actually pull off something funny, is the fact that when you're looking at his wife, she's watching her husband being shot multiple times. Their child is directly behind the person being shot multiple times. The officer is standing outside the vehicle that has just shot him multiple times. He's also yelled out that he had no choice. But the calmest person in this whole situation is the woman sitting next to the man that has been shot multiple times. Not the trained professional. And to go back and talk about Olsen, Officer Luke Olsen, and when he was speaking about being shot by Christopher Cook, the statement that stood out to me the most was the fact that he stated this level of violence was unnecessary yet it's the level of violence the police reciprocate each and every day and it's condoned by everybody wearing that blue black and white flag now the thing that I actually want to end off with tonight it's going to be the eye-opener because we watched a young man in Philadelphia get sworn in to a job as a police officer and 15 minutes after being sworn in and put on active duty he shoots and kills an unarmed suspect that's fleeing we know he can't do that because there is no imminent danger and then he shoots him in the back. And even Tennessee V. Gardner says you can't shoot them unless you know they have a weapon. And they are going to be using it against someone else. And that wasn't the case. And just for FYI on that one, he was fired for his previous job from discharging a weapon at a suspect's back. Then we go in to Philip Brailsford. The officer in charge was Charles Langley in Mesa, Alabama, um, Mesa, Arizona. And the thing about this one was he killed Daniel Shaver. Or Shaver, excuse me. He killed Daniel Shaver in cold blood. I don't know any other way I can look at the video because he wasn't even looking for Daniel Shaver. This young man had been banned from the police force. Why? Because he had mental issues. So we already know he, 
he also had on his gun I can't wait with skull and crossbones this dude was ready to kill someone and you remember I think I said the first line for a police officer is the preservation of life but he has a shotgun um, automatic weapon with skull and crossbones that says I can't wait on it I don't remember any even cartoon that depicted skull and crossbones as anything other than what it was something deadly because I think in the old days they used to call that the poison marker he was letting you know he was poisoned he had already been told nope you're not mentally stable enough to be a police officer which actually says a lot because Arizona hired him anyway and here's the great part about that one because he gave him orders that nobody physically could do not even a contortionist and then he shot him in cold blood and that was not even the person that he was looking for and he was exonerated people say that's okay to kill that that young man in cold blood that you weren't looking for that did no crime had no gun I'm gonna repeat that one more time he was exonerated police knew in advance that he was not mentally stable enough to be on the police force yet they hired him anyway police knew in advance that he had a um, capacity not to uphold the first line of duty which is the preservation of life they hired him anyway he murders someone he becomes exonerated although he was not looking for him the young man was unarmed and then he was given instructions that no human being could comply with but people said that was okay oh and just for the record he was white so yeah Joseph DeMarco he also shot Monty Merkley he had mental issues on a call in 2006 Joseph DeMarco had multiple disciplinary write-ups prior to shooting someone and I used the word also because he was involved in another shooting where he murdered a mentally ill person Stephen Shannon also had multiple disciplinary actions with that within the police department he continued to work I do believe he's still working he's also murdered an unarmed civilian Esteban Flores was in charge and yes this is also in Mesa Arizona I do believe Esteban is still working and on this call these three gentlemen were there they shot and killed a transgender Caden Clark or Danielle Jacobs after being called out on a mental issues person now you remember I told you they had taser baton masks you know pepper spray hand-to-hand -hand combat they're trained in all this they're the professionals they preserve life 
one officer was obtaining a non-lethal weapon. They don't state which one that was, but again, because they have six options. And the second shot had a taser, and the second officer, excuse me, had a taser. The other non-lethal option on their person. Now, here's where it gets hanky. Because the original report stated officer body cams were not on. And later stated that they were on and never released. Because I think I had a podcast that I spoke about the body cameras from police officers. Because they're the good guys. They're doing the right thing. They're standing by their work. But 76% of all police shootings, they don't turn over the body cam. If you're doing the right thing, why not turn over the body cam? Because you always tell us, okay, what do you got to hide? My question to you is, if you're the good guy, if what you did was right, you know what you did was right, you're standing by, why aren't you turning it over? What are you hiding? What are you doing? But again, these are things which is why... If they're doing a job and they know they're not doing the right thing, why continue doing it? If you're able to sleep at night knowing you're not doing the right thing on a job that you say you will do everything possible to preserve life, to protect God's children, you swore to God that you were going to do that. But, nah, not today. I'm going to just shoot him in the back. Nah, not today. I'm going to lie on this report. Not today. I'm going to go ahead and just stop somebody because I have a quota. I'm not going to do the right thing today, God. It's okay. You know, everybody's sinned and falling short. So it's okay. I, I can do that without without any repercussions. I don't have to worry about that, right? But you want to be looked at as a good guy, as a good person. And then you're upset when people don't respect you. But here's here's again. Later in the report, one of the officers stated that they were lunged at with the knife. And yet after she was shot, one officer stated there was something on her stomach. Now, I'm not I'm not great on physics, but I'm pretty sure if somebody's lunging and then they get shot unless it's with a goddamn cannon their hands are not going to go back towards their stomach and gently place whatever's in their hand down you know that thing that does defies the laws of physics you know that's just not how the human body works because if somebody's lunging and they're shot guess what they're going to keep going forward yeah, so they're probably going to land on their face, not their back. Unless they're shot with something huge. And then we talk about Roy Oliver. He shot 15-year-old Jordan Edwards. He was charged with murder. And that happened here in Texas. He was also convicted here in Texas. He chose to discharge a firearm into a moving vehicle because 
not because he felt for his life. Although that's what he said during trial. He feared for his life. How are you fearing if the threat is running away from you? How are you fearing if you're seeing their back? If you're that scared to do your job, don't put the uniform on of a brave person. Because even at trial, this young man believed he didn't do anything wrong. It's okay to not preserve life. It's okay to not be honest. It's okay to take somebody's child for no reason. It's okay. That's good. That's cool. And most people think of it that way because it's not their child. It's not their mother. It's not their son. It's not their father. Not their husband. Not their wife. Not their relatives. It's okay. But the second it happens to them, now they won't change. It was okay. How how, how long? It was all good just a week ago. Because I even had a conversation about Colin Kaepernick. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But when I pointed out the sheer fact of the idiocy of the whole thing and the fact that it wasn't Colin's first time and then I pointed out what he was actually protesting because it wasn't until the third time he actually kneeled and the only reason it was a story because the year before Colin was a starting quarterback now he's coming off the bench but he's kneeling instead of standing for the anthem nobody paid attention to it the first two times so now the third time he says I'm protesting. I'm protesting the treatment and the mistreatment of minorities by police. Two hours after that interview aired, two unarmed young men were murdered in California. Nobody talked about that. LeBron James did something. Nobody talked about it. But the whole thing was everybody was upset with Colin for doing it during sports. Uh, Do it on your own time. But when it was done by Dwayne Wade on his own time, nobody cared. Carmelo Anthony, nobody cared. Hell, even Ed Reeves was doing it on his own time and during football. Nobody cared. Because it wasn't happening to them. They even changed the narrative to, oh, it's about the flag. But these are the same people that will step over a veteran that's being mistreated by their own country that they damn near gave up limb and mentality for. Those are the same people that will step over these people. Those are the people that won't feed a homeless veteran. Those are the people that won't offer anything to a homeless veteran, but you'll celebrate Veterans Day and you get your barbecue and all the other shit, but then you get upset when someone talks about Equality. You get upset when someone does something about equality. And whenever I tell people, stand up, fight back, sue these people whenever they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Because in all actuality, what they do for us is they tell us we're stealing when we do that. So isn't it stealing when they're, they're doing a job that they're getting paid for, they're not doing it properly, and then they're lying about it? I think that's theft. I think that's not honest I think that's something that needs to be addressed and punished or redressed but nobody cares about until it affects them 
you look at someone like Paul Ward. He wasn't even at work. He choked a citizen in a road rage incident. I'm going to say that one more time. He got out of his car to talk to another person and ended up choking them. I've watched these videos where these off-duty police officers pull out guns at stores and, and basically doing a Drake, doing the hardest thing in business, which is mining their own. But they're pulling guns out on people that have nothing to do with the police officer or doing anything wrong. Which is probably why 43% of all domestic violence cases come from police officers. I'm going to say that again. If you're that angry, 43% of all domestic violence cases come from police officers. If you're that angry, quit putting on the uniform. If you're that angry, go find another job. If you're that angry, do yourself a favor and stop putting yourself in stressful situations. Because we all know being a police officer is stressful. Because nobody wants to do anything about it as a police officer. Because you look, I commend Officer Norman in Arkansas. He's doing everything he can to make people understand that not all people, not all police officers are assholes. The problem is we see more assholes than we do good police officers. But then we see good police officers condoning the assholes. So what are we supposed to do? If you're not going to correct it, are you your brother's keeper? Because if you're not, what are you doing? If y'all are all wearing this flag, why is nobody correcting the behaviors? Why are you upset with me when I say sue you for not doing your job? Because that person at McDonald's, if they're not doing their job properly, guess what? They're going to get fired. And then if you're getting fired at one police station, why are they getting hired at other police stations? Sue their ass. Because... The way people understand, the way these police officers are going to, the way behavior is going to change. It works just like any other corporation. Corporations don't apologize in public. They can't admit being wrong. So their apology is hitting those pockets. Now, for those that get upset with me for saying sue them, sue them, sue them, sue them, sue them, guess what? I'm going to continue saying sue them. But now understand, that does not mean that you have to take every penny of the money that's given to you. I'm going to say that one more time. That doesn't mean you got to accept that money. You can actually return it back to the city, have them retrain their officers. You can also donate it to these battered women's shelters. You can do something with it. You can make a difference. It's your choice. But just keep that in mind. And this is your boy Supreme Decision. I'll see you guys next week. Keep donating. This shit getting colossal.